This is a podcast by The Straits Times. This is Asian Insider and I'm Nirmal Ghosh. Now today we are back to discussing Myanmar. Since the army, the Tatpador, seized power in a coup d'etat on February 1, anxiety over the internal situation in Myanmar has grown. A wide civil disobedience movement has seen thousands out on the streets in different forms of protest. Even some sections of the bureaucracy have joined in that. The army has responded with a show of force cutting off the internet at night, a curfew and a continuing crackdown, with many protesters injured and hundreds arrested. On the line today, I have from Yangon, Dr. Kinza Win, from New Delhi, Gautam Mukhopadhyay, and from Bangkok, Tan Hui Yi. Good morning to you, and Dr. Kinza Win, let me perhaps start with you. Let us start with the fate of the peace process with the various armed ethnic minorities that the Tatpador has been fighting with on and off for decades. Now, you have written recently that although State Councillor Dong San Suu Kyi, who is under arrest again now, had continued the peace process she is too much of a burman majoritarian at heart and believed similarly to the military that autonomy for the ethnic groups could lead to secession and now we have this coup d'etat what effect will this have on that dynamic the conflicts with the various ethnic groups it seems that you are plunging in right at the beginning <laughs> well uh, it doesn't look uh, very um right shall we say you know um the we've had two incarnations of the uh, uh peace negotiating team and the most recent under uh, Sansuji has been ditched all together with the um arrests and the de- detentions after the coup d'etat uh even before that um things were just chugging along you know everybody had uh, really given up hope on Sansuji's um, attempts to continue uh, the peace process but getting to the heart of it what you really asked is that i a lot of ethnic people also feel the same way and i thought that i should make this um comparison uh, clear and put it on the table you know um it's more developing more like um the burman majority versus uh, the all the ethnic nationalities you know? i'm burman majority leaders i mean i don't mean all of us and so um the ethnics are presented with a with a, with a non choice you know and it's a, a dismal choice uh the tamadaw version and the ansanji version there's no real difference between them well having said that um mehanai if he's allowed to go on which is not sure because of the protests uh will have to offer a lot of concessions you know and um he will have to make a dogged effort to revive the peace process because this will be the last chance but last chance for everyone and um we don't know because um things looks best under within saying when it started and when ansan suji um took over he turned things upside down you know so to speak uh-huh. and um there's a lot of fanfare in the, the, the 21st century banlong but it really is not getting anywhere well um, everyone is agree that this are primary um problem and issue in the country and uh everybody wants to have a real um lasting peace but uh, the thing is that um 
this issue is also tied to the question of federalism. The ethics uh-huh. know that when you have peace, or even before that, there has to be federalism, and federalism is closely tied to the issue of peace, but uh, Aung San Suu Kyi is uh, denying it and trying to separate it. I think at the heart, uh, the main issue is that. I see. Uh, Ambassador Mukhopadhyay, we have had a predictable reaction from the international community though slightly more informed and cautious for now, given that the aura that was constructed around Dosuchi, particularly in the West, had been tarnished by her support for the Tatmadaw's, you know, 2017 abuses against the Rohingya, which drove close to one million into refugee camps in Bangladesh. Now, Myanmar shares borders, of course, with Thailand, Bangladesh and China and, of course, India. And what is the view from your perspective on the situation in Myanmar and what India should or should not do. One does not hear too much about India in this situation. So I'm curious about that. No, India has been quite forthcoming. I think in line with most uh, of the Eastern countries, the Asian powers, uh, they've expressed deep concern. They have expressed uh, a desire for the release of, politi- of all the of those detained, uh, as well as a restoration of the democratic process and respect for the democratic process. Uh, but they have been conflicted to the extent that, you know, they haven't actually condemned it as a coup. And I think uh, this is uh, primarily motivated by three or four considerations. One is uh, a, a kind of long-term view, you know, that these are episodes in Myanmar history. It's necessary to keep the relationship particularly oriented towards the people going, uh, but also primarily to, you know, to be to keep open channels of communication, to perhaps try and talk the generals back uh, to a kind of respect for the democratic process. But there are also uh, other bilateral issues involved. For example, we have our security interests in the northeast of India, uh, there is this issue of, you know, a very large Indian origin community in, in Myanmar that will look for solace from, from India. So there will be some continuity in that respect uh, to preserve the, uh, you know, the development projects that have been, in India's case, mostly aimed towards strengthening economic and people-to-people ties. Uh, and, of course, preserve some of the equities that we have actually labored to, 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 to build uh, with the Tamado um, uh, over the last 30 years. And I think there, there would be a very important distinction for India, which is that, you know, uh, India's sort of collaboration uh, with the Tamado has been oriented towards basically Myanmar's defense and our security needs. And they've steered clear uh, from the internal politics uh, between the civil administration and the, and the government, except in trying to uh, make sure that the cohabitation uh, works well. And in fact, in October, we had an unusual joint visit by the Foreign Secretary of India and uh, the Chief of Army Staff. And... Uh, the the uh, Myanmar government was comfortable enough to accept uh, such a visit as well. Interesting. Uh, Hu Yi, one factor very different this time around is that there is this young generation which has grown up, come of age in a decade roughly of freedom of expression within some limits, but still quite free, political freedom and so forth. And this generation is not going to be easily cowed. We see that in the CDM, the Civil Disobedience Movement. Tell us a little more about. Uh, tell us a little more about what is going on. How are they organizing? Which way is this heading, in your opinion? Uh, yes, Namal. These young, digitally savvy people in Myanmar were among the first to rise up against the coup. This was very clear in the initial days uh, when NLD was still struggling to come up with a coherent response. Some of these leading activists were highly critical of Aung San Suu Kyi before the coup, but they tell me that they are fighting more for democracy rather than her per se. 
while they want her to be free and the 2020 election results to be honoured, they also want to go beyond that. They want to build an inclusive democracy that takes into account the needs and desires of uh, Myanmar's ethnic minorities. So apart from getting civil servants to boycott work to try to cripple the regime, these young people have also been protesting in a way that allows them to get the attention of the wider world. The signs, for example, are in Burmese and English. Um, and while they have learned from young protesters in Thailand and in Hong Kong, their tactics are constantly evolving. This week, for example, we saw drivers pretending that cars had broken down to block key junctions in Yangon and to stop the movement of police and soldiers. And let me stay with you for a few seconds more, Huyi. Uh, what is the level, switching gears slightly, what is the level of worry in ASEAN? Are there worries about conflict and refugees, for example? Are there indications of ASEAN countries or ASEAN as an organization trying to mediate in this? Uh, yes, uh, just uh, on Wednesday, uh, Indonesian uh, Foreign Minister Retno Masuri um, travelled to Brunei to see how ASEAN can come up with a better response on this issue. Brunei, as you know, is chairing ASEAN this year and has issued a statement of concern as ASEAN chair. Uh, that happened on the day of the coup. Um, officially, there are limits to what ASEAN as a group can do because it operates by consensus of all members, including Myanmar. But as uh, Singapore Foreign Minister Vivian Balakrishnan said earlier this week, ASEAN can play a discreet role in trying to resolve this crisis. It's, too, it's still too early to talk about refugees, though there are concerns about how a military government could impact the welfare and the liberty of Myanmar people in the long term. I believe there is still room for mediation, especially by parties that have not condemned the coup outright and have had a long-standing engagement with Myanmar. So ASEAN or China, for example, would probably make more headway than others if they tried to engage the regime to lower tensions and avert the tragedy. Dr. Kinzorwin, what two questions for you, a double-barreled question. What is your reading of where this is heading, given the, the CDM and, and, and the attitude of the military this time around? And the second question is, back to what Hui was talking about, what can and should ASEAN, for starters, do anything constructive at all? So those two questions for you. Thank you, Minerva. Well, um, for the first question, uh, a lot of people believe, um, observers and diplomats, that uh, Mei Hong is taking a page from a General Prayut, now Prime Minister, and how he handles all the uh, protests in Bangkok. Yeah? And um, there are indications that it might follow along that path. But um, will the protesters be able to uh, stay on that long? Remember that it lasted for months in Bangkok and for a year or more in Hong Kong. You know, well, these are the two places where the most comparisons are, are being made. Right now, we have a kind of a, a balance. movement is growing by leaps and bounds. Yesterday was the largest number yet. Um, it will be very costly for um, Mei and I, you know, uh, both as um, politically and in lives and his image if he tries to crack down now. So he might 
flavor time. In fact, um, there are indications that say that the army um, believes that um, um, the momentum of the protests will dissipate in a month. So they are not moving in at the moment. There are just, just some policemen and they are waiting to see uh, how long it will last. You know? um, if it doesn't last, uh, or if it goes on, at some point there will be a breaking point. You, know? um, you see, um, the economy in Yangon and the government machinery is paralyzed. You know? The bank, uh, central bank has joined and uh, all the private banks are closed and the staff are joining. And that's very important. People can't get their money out. You know? At least um, the economy is running around, running along, you know, because we are mostly agrarian. But at some point, uh, like I said, there could be a breaking point and uh, violence could erupt. For the second question, um, leading from the first, if that kind of tempo and momentum is increased, the best option would be a compromise and for mediators to come in. Now, I've traditionally, I've maintained that Myanmar political culture is traditionally weak in compromise and coalitions. You know? And uh, I don't see any people of stature and uh, um, initiative who could mediate um, from within the country. There are some religious leaders, well, political leaders, um, I don't think so. You know? There were one or two who say they want to mediate between uh, Aung San Suu Kyi and Mao Nai, but uh, a lot of people are, are skeptical of it. Um, uh-huh. there, there are international bodies like the United Nations, but here I think um, the regime, uh, the junta, would be more inclined to uh, accept uh, some kind of initiative from ASEAN um, in the early weeks of in the early days of the coup. Um, Mail and I reached out to Prime Minister Prayuth, you know, asking him for right. assistance in uh, um, democratic democracy building. Well, he was politely rebuffed, but I think his real purpose was to tell Prayuth that, okay, um, I'm in your situation, please help me. Yeah. Well, I think they were more inclined to have a kind of uh, intervention, if we can say that, from an ASEAN country or from ASEAN as a well. whole. Ambassador Mukhopadhyay, there is, sticking to geopolitics, going back to geopolitics, there is this belief in some quarters that this is, that this is a new arena for U.S.-China competition. Now, doesn't that overstate the case? What is your, how do you see the geopolitics of this panning out? Yeah, um, you know, I think somehow Myanmar has not been uh, uh, brought in uh, very prominently in part of the U.S.-China you know, sort of dynamics or in the Indo-Pacific dynamics. Uh, but, you know, a little bit of a lurking shadow has been there. There was a statement by a U.S. Charles Affairs some months back uh, that kind of alluded to this. Uh, so far, I see that uh, I think the U.S. has to take a very strong pro-democracy stand. And I think that stand is quite popular in Myanmar at the moment. Uh, but I think this time they are likely uh, not to use, uh, you know, the kind of very strong blunt sanctions, which a lot of people have opposed, which affect, in, fa- in effect, the, 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 the people uh, and uh, the economy, in particularly, you know, the, the common people. So I think they're likely to use smarter sanctions, as they have shown uh, with their first bout of sanctions. I don't think they are likely to uh, 
you know, head towards, uh, you know, blanket sanctions. And also the appointment of, you know, veteran diplomat, uh, Mr. Kurt Campbell, as their special envoy for the Asia-Pacific, would seem to suggest that it would be a more crafted and calibrated strategy. And the fact that, you know, the, uh, the Asia-Pacific is brought in, or the Indo-Pacific is brought in, would also mean that this time, uh, you know, uh, the U.S. would keep uh, China in mind and would try to do things, as they have been warned not to do, uh, that push the Myanmar regime that is not fundamentally inclined to go towards China, uh, towards China. Yes, indeed. Okay, Huyi, how serious, what is the, I mean, we can't say, but how serious is the Tapmadaw about the one-year timeline? What is the thinking out there? Is the idea to sort of split the NLD, the National League for Democracy, kneecap the party so the USDP, the military party, can finally win an election? Well, at this point, nobody is taking the Tamadol's words at face value. It is quite clear that uh, Commander-in-Chief Nguyen Lai will not tolerate having Aung Suu Kyi or a party back in power. So we can expect to the regime to hold an election only when it is sure that the NLD would not be able to return. Now, how will he do this? Things are still unfolding, but we know that he is quoting ethnic minority politicians and politicians who had fallen out with Suu Kyi before the coup. We have seen that in Rakhine State and the Arakan National Party. As for the USDP, I really doubt that they can win any fair election because they performed so poorly last year. So if the general is serious about holding an election, he will likely have to change election rules and bring together a coalition of some sort to maintain the Tamador's influence in politics. Dr. Kinsolvin, a parting shot from you on the same team, the same question, really. What do you see one year ahead politically? How do you think, how do you think things will pan out? Well, um, the army is meticulously following the constitution and it stipulates that there are, in an emergency, there are two periods of six months in which um, the armed forces can um, take on emergency powers. And so it's going to be at least one year. If you're optimistic, uh, as I was on this, uh, we can expect um, elections maybe early next year. Yeah? But um, this could be extended for another year if he's still uh, not on solid ground. And so he could be um, on for two years. Yeah? And uh, yes, like um, he said, um, he doesn't want the NLD to win or even to contest. So we are back in the days of the 90, 1990s. Yeah? And uh, one uh, significant development that he has um, mentioned is that the rules of the elections, you know, it's not going to be first past the post anymore. He is going for proportional representation. So he has more of an excuse or rationale because this is um, a system that is entirely new for us and needs a lot of um, due diligence, you know, and training. I myself uh, lobbied for proportional representation in the early 2000s in, in the same time. But even the mm -hmm. ethics, um, um, ethnic MPs didn't understand it. And they were um, wary of it. You know? I can tell you, you now, if we had proportional representation last year, in last year's elections, these things will not happen. You know? So, like you were, you were saying, it could not. It could be a coalition, or it could be um, the outcome of a 
election with proportional representation, where there will be more even representation of the parties and um, ethnicities concerned. Anyway, we um, think that the military will be there in one form or another. You know, another uh -huh. new party could be formed, or they could form alliances with um, uh, with the ethnics. So, one year or two year, I think we will have another elections, and um, I think that this is really the end of the line for the NLD. To be very frank and honest, um, I don't think they will really bring the NLD back to power anymore. I see. Fascinating discussion. Thank you very much, Dr. Kinsobin, Gautam Mukhopadhyay, Tan Huyi. It's been a pleasure having you, you on the board, Asian Insider. Thank you. Thank you. Meet all of you again. It's nice being on this channel. Take care out there. Options for the international community to really affect what is going on in Myanmar are severely limited. What the big fear is, is that the Myanmar economy will collapse and that will be miserable for the people of Myanmar. For Asian Insider, I'm Nirmal Ghosh. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.